Hello and welcome to From Gay to Z, a podcast for queer parents and curious people that explores all the highs and lows of life with kids at the intersection of LGBTQ culture. I am Lottie Jeffs. Oh, Lottie, I tell you what, I do love an intersection. <laughs> the word even, oh, it just gets me going. Oh. Hello, I am Stu Oakley, and this week, listener, we have a very exciting guest joining us. She is a comedian. No, it's not Lottie. She is a podcast host. No, it's not Lottie. And she is a new-ish parent. It is going to be the blooming wonderful Susie Ruffle. Oh, we love Susie. We're such big fans, and we can't wait to chat to her. And actually, <laughs> one of the last times I saw Susie was when she brought her daughter over to meet my daughter. And it has become what has gone down in history as the worst play date of all time. What happened? <laughs> I'll explain just before she gets it. And it's nothing on Susie, in fact, quite the opposite. <laughs> Basically, like, I think it, it must have been a while ago, like maybe a year ago now. And uh, my daughter, being an only child, is quite protective and possessive of her things and she's got a bit better but she's not been great at sharing but I thought that you know she'd be fine because this little girl was a lot younger than her and so you know she'd be sort of sisterly to her but no she <laughs> every time this really sweet little girl would like pick up any of her stuff and like I deliberately put out stuff that my daughter wasn't that into or hadn't played with much recently um because I knew she'd be too possessive of her you know things she's passionate about and so this little girl would like pick up it was like a piece of chalk and my daughter would be like no that's my favorite piece of chalk I love that chalk that chalk is so special to me mama it's so special and she'd like snatch out of this poor girl's hand to the point that in the end my wife had to take her upstairs and like shut her in her room and put her on her iPad because she was just being so awful to this poor little girl so Susie was absolutely lovely about it I'm very understanding. Um, but God, I was mortified because she's on the telly. It's Susie Ruffle. <laughs> you don't want, you know, everyone on your best behavior. We've got our best china out, you know, and hoovered the carpet. You had a famous lesbian coming around. I, I mean, know, honestly. Exactly. It doesn't happen every day. No. no, I know. I will never let my daughter live that down. Oh my God, that's hilarious. You can't control, you cannot control children. And that's one thing I have definitely 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 learn over life especially when it's in the playground as well I feel that's when it's the worst and my son particularly is he gets very possessive over certain things in the playground or he's very he's very opinionated about what people should be doing in the playgrounds when he likes to tell people oh, if he when wants they to start bunch, telling people off yeah I know he told a bunch of teenagers off once recently <laughs> for sitting on the roof of a playhouse and I was like hun please just let, just let them be I know that they're naughty boys and they shouldn't be doing it but don't go pointing your finger up and telling them they're naughty boys because <laughs> daddy's gonna get smacked in the face otherwise like that's let's face it that's what's gonna happen oh that is so funny <sighs> Yeah. Um, talking of funny things that kids say, actually, this week was a classic in the school playground. We were just walking back through the school playground, leaving at the end of the day. And we were talking about how a little friend of hers had to go with her mum to pick up her little brother from nursery. And I was saying, oh, don't you think it must be hard for this kid having a sibling, like having to actually go and, you know, get on a bus now and pick them up from nursery. And, aren't you, you know, you just get to go home. How do you think you'd feel if you had a sibling? And my daughter went, well, you know, the thing is, Mama, this sperm is so expensive. It's very tricky. It's very tricky to have another child because sperm is so expensive. And I was like, wow, you really get it. 
like how what how do she you is know? a modern child she really is i mean we must have she either overheard us or have had conversations with her where she said why haven't we why haven't i got a brother or a sister or i when i was going through ivf and was trying i kind of explained to her that i'd tried and it it hadn't worked and then she was like, well, why can't you try again? And I think probably then I'd said something like, well, it's really expensive. And she'd said something like, well, what's expensive? And I'd say like, well, you know, you have the to sperm. get sperm from one body and <laughs> eggs from another body and uh, and sperm is expensive. You know, you just say these things, not realizing they're like banking them all. Um but I thought that was quite brilliant. And I just can't wait for like sex sex education and stuff to start at school because she's going to be like so far ahead of like all of her peers with straight parents. I mean, maybe not actually. Maybe hmm. everyone's a bit more evolved these days. But Yeah, don't talk to me about sex education at school at the minute. Oh, why? was happening? I had a call from the head teacher. Oh, no. And she was like, have you got a moment to speak, Mr. Oakley? And I'm Never like, a good sign. Yes. She's like, there was an incident today at school. I'm like, okay. I was like, which one was it this time? As in, which of my three children? And it was my youngest, who is only three. And she said there'd been an incident of bum licking discussion. I had to stop for a minute. (laughs) Like, excuse me. Apparently, somebody asked to lick my son's bum a fellow three-year-old, I might add. Mm -hmm. And this turned into a conversation about them wanting to lick each other's bums. And apparently this was reason that the head teacher needed to call me. Oh my God. I mean, if anyone that's got a three-year-old will know the amount of odd, weird, wonderful, abstract things they say all day. Weird things. And if you make it, then you're going to make more of a thing of it by bringing it up. Yeah, totally. So apparently my son said to the other child, uh, no, it's my private bum. I don't want you licking it. Amazing. And Good for him. they wanted us to know that he had acted in this very sensible way and that we were to praise him when he was to get home for dealing with it in such an appropriate way. Um, <laughs> I just oh my God, stop. did you? <laughs> I just turned to him and said, was there some bum licking conversation going on today? He was like, yes, daddy. But can't say the name of the child, said, oh, and I said no. And then we laughed and then we did this. And I was like, it's so like, it's so innocent and so ridiculous and so funny. Then I spoke to the 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 parent of the other child because my my little one had told me his name. (laughs) So she had been out for lunch with her brother, had had quite a few glasses of wine, went to go and pick up her child from school and got pulled actually in face-to-face by the head teacher to talk about it. Oh, my God. And she was like, I didn't didn't know how to keep a straight face. I honestly didn't. Yeah, so it uh, it was mortifying but hilarious at the same time. And as I said to her, I was like, when they're like 10 and 11 and talking about bum licking, then maybe we need to be a little bit more concerned, but not right now. Yeah, that's so funny. Children and everything aside, I need to talk, I need to talk to you because I'm so desperately, insanely, incredibly jealous. What? That this week you went clubbing. Oh. <laughs> you actually went to a club. I mean, Lottie, you turned 40 not that long ago. What are you doing? What are you what are you <sighs> Stop it? Who are you? Well, I saw this night advertised called Butch Please. Um <laughs> Love it. on Instagram. And I just thought it looked really fun. And it's at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, which I know is 
a really sort of safe space and a nice venue and isn't like a big intimidating nightclub. And I used to go there. I've never been. Oh, you'd love it, I think. We need to go. It's really like fun and diverse and not like intimidating gay club, soulless, giant space kind of vibe. It's really, it's really nice. Um, so I thought, who can I go to this with? And um, I thought of my friend Bola. I don't know why. I guess I just was like, I need a lesbian friend. And she seems like it would be fun to catch up with her. And I think she's been before. So we booked to go to this night called Muscle Butch. And also I have been like working on my muscles in the gym and I had just bought this new vest and I was like, oh, this is an opportunity to show off my muscles in my new vest. So off I went in my vest top and my jeans. No, I wasn't wearing jeans. I was wearing, it doesn't matter. Anyway. Um, I hope you're wearing something. I was wearing something. Or like Miley Cyrus style, like pants. Yeah. But it was really fun and it was quite empty at first. So it kind of lulled me into false sense of security and was having really nice catch up chats with my friend Bola, drinking beer, obviously, tiny little um, half pints. Working on your biceps. Yeah. As you're drinking it. <laughs> But it was an, it was it was nice because it was the first time I've been in a kind of queer female space, really for like must be, I mean certainly over a decade, and it's such a unique and specific experience because you don't, I mean where could you go and find it like IKEA on a Sunday maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was it was nice and what struck me was how much more diverse and inclusive the crowd was from when I used to go to lesbian or, or queer nights when I was younger. How do you mean? Like, well, there were lots there? of trans women. Oh, great. So many more black Asian people, uh, lots of non-binary people, um, body shape, body size. It was all sorts. And I think my experience mm. of clubbing more recently has been like with my like A-gay friends in like wherever they go. Not that I go out that much at all, but I would say the clubs, the boy clubs they go to are very white and all of the men all look the same and they've all got six packs and they all take their tops off. And it's, you know, very much like that and a few straight girls. Whereas this was and that's like the reason I never ever go. Yeah, it was like and I don't think I've been since I was 18, really. It was great. It was like fat people, gay people, queer people, trans people everyone and it just felt really really inclusive and safe and nice and I actually got chatted up <gasps> I was gonna say what did you what did Jenny think of it all what did like oh she was fine like yeah. totally fine she was like have a great have time, a great time. <laughs> I don't think she would have fancied it I think she would have had a good time but um it felt like a more fun thing to do with like a friend I think so um yeah I was just like on the dance floor uh Watching an incredible drag king act with this guy, trans guy called Prince Silver, who is so hot. I'm going to have to send you his Instagram profile after this. Please do. But he did this kind of strip show that was like amazing. And that was another interesting thing. It was like a room full of like queer women watching a trans man do a strip show and screaming for him. I love that. This is how, and hopefully maybe this is the future for queer spaces where it does feel more inclusive and it feels more... Because maybe I'll go back out to them, perhaps. You would have, honestly, Stu, you would have loved this this night. But I don't think you can take cis men with you okay. as friends. Oh, that's interesting. If there was like a boy equivalent, I think you would love it. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I got chatted up by this like, God, they must have been like 22 or something. Mm, check you. Does that mean you a cougar? Yeah, no, definitely a cougar. But this person was like, oh, I like your muscles. 
because obviously I've been like in the gym like for the past week <laughs> desperately drinking like fuel by the gallons <laughs> trying to bulk up for this night so I was like oh my god thank you so much that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me and I think I kind of came on a bit strong with my um effusiveness after they'd given me this compliment because I think it gave the wrong message and then this person was like oh you know I think I made a joke I was like oh I'm gonna record you saying that so I can listen to it again did they run away by that point did they have they no, disappeared no, they were like I think they thought I was chassing them up so then they were like well if you give me your number I can do that for you and then I was like ah, you're young enough to be my child and I have a wife and a child so I was just like have a great night and I turned away <laughs> But it really made my night. It was great. Um, So I'd really recommend it. Butch, please, at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. They've got like loads of, I think, monthly nights. Yeah. Let's go clubbing. Let's have a from gay to Z night out and we'll let everybody know when we're going and then we can just have a big That would be so fun. say gangbang. That's the wrong word. I meant (laughs) not (laughs) Not a gangbang, a social gathering. Let's do it. With some drinkies. That would be so good. But hang on. I think we've got somebody waiting in the wings somebody tap tapping at the window and it is none other than tv's blooming Susie ruffle so shall we let her in yeah let's let her get in and get settled and put her headphones on all of that stuff while we take a short break you are listening to from gay to z an lgbtqia plus parenting podcast with me lottie jeffs and me Stu oakley and please if you are at all liking what you hear Share this episode with all your friends because personal recommendations are so important to us when it comes to getting new listeners. And do give us one of those cheeky little rate and reviews, please. Five star, nothing less, um, wherever you get your podcast from because it would do us the power of good. We're going to be right back with Susie Ruffle and the rest of today's show after this. This is Lottie. And I am Stu. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're a queer parent, queer parent-to-be, or the loved one of someone who is. Or maybe you're just a little bit blooming curious. Whatever the case, our new book, have we mentioned we've written a book? Mm. It's called The Queer Parent, and it's the informative, entertaining guide to LGBTQ plus families that you need in your life. And it's out May 11th and available to pre-order now. And we are back for the second part of the show, and we are here to welcome the fantastic Susie Ruffle. Hello. Hello, Susie. How are you? I'm good, Lottie. How are you? Hi, Susie. Hi, Stu. We're so happy to have you on. Lottie, what does your t-shirt say? It says, what? I am. Great. Love it. It's actually Bella Freud, and I kind of bought it just because it was Bella Freud and didn't really like think about actually what it said because it was in the sale and it was like 25 pounds and so I just bought it. Should I know who Bella Freud is? I feel less chic. She's this fashion designer that does these like slogan t-shirts like Ginsburg is God and stuff. It's super pretentious. Okay, sure. Granddaughter of Freud though as well. Yeah, I think she is. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, it's a bit of a kind of in your face t-shirt, isn't it? But I forget (laughs) I'm wearing it. Yeah. Well, I, how it's cropped, I can only see it just looks like you're going, what? What? Yeah. What? Which feels sort of quite an aggressive way to start a podcast chat. Uh, <laughs> She's living her Kevin and Perry teenage fantasies I, uh, right yeah, now, why not? I feel. Um, now, listen, Susie, I follow you, obviously, on all your various social media platforms, apart from TikTok, which I just can't manage. And um, <laughs> it seems to me that you are literally doing so much different stuff at the moment. Is that 
correct observation? Do you feel like you're doing loads of things? You're just everywhere. Yeah, it's funny when people say that. Um, I'm I'm doing it. I'm doing stuff. I'm not. I'm not like the busiest I've ever been at the moment. I'm actually having quite sort of a slow January because I've got quite a lot of writing projects to finish. So by slow, I mean I'm working very hard on things, but I'm not going out and gigging every night. Um, but my tour starts in March, and so I've already done one leg of it. But I always do rewrites for the second bit, and so I'm on that as well. But yeah, I'm sort of always, I've always, I'm always doing quite a lot of things, which is how I like it. I can't just do the same thing every day. Mm. And you're doing that alongside parenting at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's great because being a stand-up's brilliant for being a mum because quite a lot I work nights. True. So I, I can do bedtime. I can do tea time if the gig like on Friday I'm going I'm nipping to a club and just doing some new bits for my, for my that I want to try out for my tour and my stage time is five to nine and so I will be able to do dinner and bedtime perfect that is perfect and then leave the house go and do a bit of work and, and still be home by like 11. Is it hard to shift out of those different like headspaces though to go from like night night darling here's a lovely little story to then being like on stage and or do you just do a stand-up routine for her at <laughs> yeah <laughs> you try I out do, your new I do the baddies but it's as a stand-up routine so there's this old guy right and he's uh, no, uh, I do you know I think because I'm very close to who I am off stage on stage I think it might be harder if you were like a real character actor if you did loads of one-liners and you had to get into like a specific headspace for it but because my stand-up is like me being me saying so this thing happened and I was doing it and I didn't know if that was the right, like, because it's just me rather than sort of an act. It's just a, a part of me turned up, the sort of more cartoonish side of me. So no, I don't find it hard. In, in fact, I find it very easy to switch on on stage when I, I have been known to be having, like being like halfway through a conversation in, in the wings and being like, let's finish that in 20 minutes and then walk on and do a say and come back off and be like, wow. so what were you saying about that article? Like it's, <laughs> but I think that that's just in the same way that you'd walk into a meeting at work and present something or, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, a doctor would see a patient or, uh, you know, uh, whoever, the, whatever your job is. It's when I started doing stand up, it was way more of like an event <laughs> every time I did it because it was so stressful and so nerve wracking. Mm. But now it, it's such a normal feeling to be on stage, which is, also quite odd in itself. <laughs> That's amazing. But how do you manage it when you're on actual tour though? Like, do your family travel around with you or like? No, pre um, Alice and uh, the baby, we would, um, I call her the baby. That's what I refer to her as on stage. I just always call her the baby. And cause I think it's nice for her to have her anonymity. And um, she is a toddler now, so she's not a baby, but I think in my family, my dad still calls me baby. Aww. So the, cause I'm the youngest I, and I was called the baby until I was about 15. And then my cousin had a child. So uh, like, where's the baby? And that'd be like a teenager walking in. <laughs> and so everyone calls her the baby, which I quite like. Cause it sort of sounds like she's a low rank gangster. So sweet. <laughs> like the baby, the baby. Um, but before her and before I was actually when I was married, but I, um, my tour would be the most important thing that I was doing. So everything would work around my tour. Now, of course, my stand-up isn't the most important thing in my life anymore. I love it. It's my job. I, I love doing it. It's a privilege that that's my job. But now I I have a great agent who I have a fantastic relationship with. And when we put this tour together and I was like, right, I want to go back out on the road, I sort of said that I wouldn't do more than two nights away. So my tour is sort of 
goes on and on and on because I won't do more than two nights away from her. And at the very most, I'll do three shows, but then it will be a drive home so that I'm there for breakfast. But that's like a perfect balance as well. Like just you get two nights away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like heaven. Yeah. Two I nights mean, away, back. Yeah. And so it's not always like that. Like some, like if it's, if the, if the gigs are sort of within an hour and a half, I might do four in a week because I won't stay over. And then my wife will very kindly let me sleep in the spare room and <laughs> I'll get a couple of extra hours in the morning. Um, but it's totally changed to how I view my work because my work was always sort of a real passion, which it still is, but my goals have certainly changed. Mm. Do you find it, it goes into your work as in into your comedy routines? Like, has it, have you just become a parental stand-up now? Because <laughs> there's obviously, I'd imagine so many stories to... a lot of material yeah I'm, I'm hosting an episode of the new series of live at the apollo and i had to sort of decide whether i was going to do some parenting bits and i've only got one routine about being a mum in it in 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 the 20 minute set that i do but i sort of thought no i want to do this but partly for representation partly for visibility just so you know, I think it's certainly different now, but you know, you guys know, and I'm sure we've spoken about this before. There was a time when, as soon as I came out, I was like, well, I guess I won't be a mum mm. because it didn't seem compatible with being a gay woman. And so I like to be, I like to be very honest on stage. I like to, I talk about being an anxious person. I talk about how parenting has made me more anxious. I talk about uh, my fears about not being good enough. I talk about getting it wrong. I don't really talk about being a, a gay mum because I'm just a mum. I don't think that mm. I don't think that your kids ever really consider your sexuality. Um, but I don't know. It's really it, yeah. It's really important to me that I'm. I mean, without trying to sound wanky, authentic. But I think that's really nice in that representation way that you say it's not. It's you know people know when you're on stage you're you're a gay, mm -hmm. and then you're talking about parenting. It's pretty hard to miss. I'm in a suit and tie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think what it does is it just, you know, it's that great equaliser. Mm -hmm. Parenting is a great equaliser, whether you're gay, straight. Oh, yeah. You know, non-binary, anything. It just... You could literally just walk out on stage and be like, Bluey, am I right? Yeah. And you'd have the audience just like in hysteria. I mean, that's why I'm not a stand-up. Yeah, I was going to say a lot. It takes a bit more than that. <laughs> Listen, try it. Try it. You don't know. There's an audience <laughs> <laughs> could try it um but my point is you know there's just so much relatable stuff isn't there that's why all of yes. these memes and videos and everything go so viral because you're just like I think yes but I think that you also have to be careful that you don't alienate people that don't have kids true because not everyone do have kids not everyone wants to have kids mm. some people are trying to have kids and not having kids yeah and so it's always it would never be the whole thrust of a show you know there might be bits in it but I'd have to also Lottie in a very cliched moment is just removing a cat from her uh, shot. A cat that hates me and just comes over to like troll me whenever she comes. Um, um, sorry, yes, you're so right. I mean, totally, yeah. Sometimes but I, but think... I think, but I think you're right. It is the great equaliser. Like I've got friends mm. that are consistently sort of shocked that their children are an inconvenience. Not an inconvenience. That's not the right word to say. But actually, it's more wealthy than. So I've got some very well. I've got a wealthy friend that I sort of know from college. And she's sort of like surprised that like, she's like, God, it's such hard work. Mm -mm. And that's where it's the great equaliser. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Like it's such hard work. I mean, unless you've got help, 
it is it is a great equalizer and it's you know you can sort of be from any mm. part of uh, you know life and the world and any sort of socio-economic place and as long as you're not talking about something that is sort of linked to finances or something <laughs> you know you can say you know something about waking up in the middle of the night something about you know trying to soothe them something about going to a playground mm. I suppose it's that equalizer as well without meaning to go too deep in the sense of you know if you're on a show like live at the Apollo which is so wide-reaching yeah congratulations by the way know, that's I know, amazing amazing thanks you know a lot of straights watch that sure predominantly maybe even and you know, especially with the way that the world is at the moment, it's that thing of actually seeing us as parent, seeing us as, I mean, like queers, mm-hmm. as parental figures. Yeah. Rather than these sexual beings that, you know, especially trans people now are just being continually painted as. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, again, that's another great equaliser in the sense of, you know what? Oh, these gays, they're, they're quite normal in the sense of they can be parents. They're not just sex mad beasts. Yeah, totally. <laughs> My dear friend, uh, Jen Brister, who I know that you guys know as well, she hosted Apollo last year and she spoke about being a mum on that. And she's just recently had this sort of real moment on TikTok where millions and millions of people are watching her videos. You know, it's so brilliant that that there's nothing about her sexuality that is influencing the piece. It's just about being alive. It's just about being a parent. It's just about existing. And I think, Mm. you know, it's been, you know, these enormously successful, funny, funny clips because you know, people are relating to each other in a way that maybe they didn't realise that they could. Totally. And I think that's really important. I've got a very straight audience on tour. I mean, there's always queer people in, of course, but because I do lots of mainstream telly, you know, it's people that like comedy. Mm. You know, they'll be like geezers like my dad because they saw me do routines about geezers like my dad. And, you know, I think that if people come and see me and I really make them laugh and I put in a little bit of sort of social politics or might talk about in my last tour I spoke about when Alice and I got married we had to consider uh sorry in a very parenting mood I've just I'm just turning down the monitor (laughs) because I can hear her white noise machine and that might be annoying to the listeners um I spoke about getting married and the conversation that Alice and I had to have about where we would go on our honeymoon and how 69 countries were just off the list and then 14 were or nine maybe it was at the time, or mm. it was 14 at one point, then it was 11 at another point, then it was nine at another point during the tour of where you, you could be punishable by death to be queer, to be gay. Mm. And I would talk about that because I think that's important. I think if people, if I make people really, really laugh and really, really connect with me and see me and not my sexuality, just see me, mm. you know, I'm happy for people to see my sexuality as well, but certainly a straight audience to feel like they know me and then for me to go, by the way, have you ever had to think about where you're going on holiday? Mm. So powerful. Yeah. Do you do you ever have to think about if we're out of Brighton and we hear football chants, do we we just stop holding hands because it's just not worth it? Because mm. what's the point? Mm. You know, the people that would come and see me would definitely not be homophobic, although that has happened. Um, but uh, <laughs> the likelihood is if you're coming to my show, you won't be homophobic. Did they get like a surprise midway through? Or yeah. <laughs> not that all your material. No, I had a uh, sort of very strange <laughs> experience where a girl brought her parents along who she said were very homophobic. And then they sort of stormed out, which I had sort of mixed feelings about because I can sort of see that she's doing that from a good place. But at the same time, you sort of go, I don't want to be the vehicle for your parents learning. No, yeah. totally. Can they not ruin my evening, please? Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you manage to kind of make a joke out of it? or? Well, I didn't know why they left. Oh, right. That must have been 
hard. But she sort of said sorry as she left. And so I thought, like, oh, maybe something bad's happened. Maybe they have to leave for no. But she was like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Um, and so it was just sort of quite a strange experience. But then I got a message on Instagram and it was, yeah, it's a very strange thing to be like, I'm sorry that your parents are homophobic, but please don't ruin my evening. <laughs> totally. <laughs> With that, oh you know. Yeah. But I think that, you know, that the people that will be coming to see me will be people that are sort of open-minded and liberal, but they might have not thought about that sort of the specifics mm. of it they might be like you know oh yeah I've got a friend John he's gay and we go to drag bars and I love RuPaul's Drag Race and I and I like mm-hmm. sort of queer culture and I always go to Pride which is great it's brilliant to have those allies and I love those people and they're wonderful when they're in my crowd but if I can go oh what about what about schools in Birmingham saying they don't want like about there were protests outside that schools those schools in Birmingham quite easy for someone to go god yeah that's terrible and then they don't think about it ever again but if I can sort of like put it into something that's real and honest. Connect mm. it. But also funny, then jackpot. Yeah. Nice. Now, Susie, um, we have got a few kind of parenting focused quickfire questions for you if you're if you're up for it. I am. Okay, great. More than you could imagine. Great, great, great. Um, so the first question is what cultural artifact or thing from your own childhood, like a film, a cartoon, a toy, a game, a pop star, anything, would you most love your daughter to also love? Alanis Morissette. Okay. I mean, it's not my child, it's my teen years. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think it's ever too soon to introduce, start introducing a, a the baby, da baby, to <laughs> Alanis Morissette. Da baby. Yeah, I think, um, I, you know, I, I, I would like to think that you know, one day we'll be in a car and I'll put it on and she'll be like, this is great. And I'll be like, yeah, I've kind of always been cool, which is which I haven't, but she'll never know that. Amazing. Or she just turns around and goes, mum, what is this shit? Turn it off. Yeah, what is this It's shit? not even ironic. That's the moment when like your heart like goes. Oh. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's always very upsetting. Okay, next question. Oh, okay, next one. What's your, what's your, would you say is your like toxic parenting trait? Have you discovered one yet? still early doors for you yes oh i never leave enough time and then it's not her fault that i've not left enough time but then i'm frantic i'm not you know i don't don't tell her off or anything but i'm then not being a very gentle parent not physically (laughs) but you know what i mean i'm not doing gentle parenting because i'm like we've got to get the train we've got to get the train get your shoes on yeah and so i think that that's my toxic trait at all times okay that i'm constantly doing four things at once by the way trains yeah so we know that you love trains. I do love trains, yeah. From your socials. From Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you taken your daughter? Is the, Has the baby been on lots of train journeys? With a you? couple of train journeys, yeah. <laughs> we go on we go on shorter ones. We haven't been on a long one yet. Are you excited for that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to take her to Scotland and then come home on the sleeper train. Okay, good luck. That's so I think, brilliant. Um, I would say the idea of a child on a train is like much nicer than the reality no but i'm gonna make her love trains like i love trains sure mine love pole dancing on the um the like, poles you in the middle of the trains so that's makes perfect <laughs> so there yeah. we go that was the one artifact from my childhood that i wanted to pass on was my previous pole dancing career as a teenager okay what do you do when the kids are asleep to relax uh alice and i have tv club okay and we honestly call it tv club love that and TV Club was where we were working through a, a series. What's on TV Club at the moment? Well, we've got lots of things that are actually coming out weekly, which is, you know, harder. 
because it means you can't you can't binge you know mm. you can't really binge yeah but current um, I mean Call the Midwife I'm a massive fan of Call the Midwife Happy Valley at the moment of course and uh, The Last of Us oh yes I keep hearing about <sighs> yes. this episode this but I can't do the zombies they're really frightening yeah can I just watch that sweet episode and not watch the rest no okay. you've got to have all the fire in your belly from the previous ones it's frightening. But how brilliant, but how brilliant is that? I haven't seen it yet, but I have seen the conversation around it and how brilliant that we have that. Like, I think that's the turning but wait, point. But for listeners that don't know what we're talking about, there's an episode in a zombie show, right? That is like a love story. Between... Don't reduce it to that, Lottie. It's amazing. <sighs> okay. It's not just a zombie show. <laughs> but I would say a very, based on a very like heterosexual, not generalizing, like um, uh, game and it's upset a lot of gamers, right? Yeah. So it's the biggest game in history for how many it's sold. Alice, my wife, likes gaming. She's She sort of does it occasionally when I'm on tour. And she finished The Last of Us and loved it. So it's the biggest selling game ever. Obviously, loads and loads of gamers. There's a queer storyline between two guys in episode three of the TV show that's come out of the game. But the writers were like, they were always gay characters. That's just on you for not noticing. In the game? In the game. Oh, okay. Clever. Interesting. There were always two men that lived together. Because right. particularly it's had a lot of backlash from of, the haters. Of course. Oh, so boring. God, stop with your agenda. Yeah. Stop pushing it in my face. Stu, what's our next question, babe? Next one. Susie, if you were to be marooned on a desert island Please. with the baby, <laughs> yes. with the baby, what three things would you need to survive? And you're not allowed to have any form of caring support. No wife. Damn it. No, no parents. No, no nanny. No super nanny. <laughs> um, I don't have a nanny, but but my mum is nanny and she would be my first thing to take because she's vet, they're obsessed with each well, other. Well, you can't have her. No, so we're holding her, her back her. at okay. customs, I'm afraid. Um, oh God, wouldn't that be terrible? I'm sorry, you have to leave your mum here. Bye, mum. Um... I mean, she doesn't actually watch a lot of telly, but I feel like that would be very helpful. So maybe just just Frozen one and two, just just there. That um ah uh, Play-Doh Sand, could get sandy. Yeah, get Play-Doh, very sandy. <sighs> I love that you and I are so practical in this like mad fantasy scenario. Oh, so so you you want to be marooned with just Frozen, like on repeat. Let's not invalidate Susie's choices, Stu. That's weird. I'm, sorry. I'm okay. sorry. That's very true. <laughs> We're not here to question them. She doesn't watch television very much, which I, and I don't really like saying that because it makes me sound like a prick. Like I'm like, we don't really do TV, but we, she won't really sit and watch stuff. She's not interested in, like you mentioned Bluey earlier. She's like, eh? she's not interested. Oh, you're missing out. She's not interested in mm. anything other than Elsa and Anna. Okay. Well, you need that then. So you've got Frozen, you've got Play-Doh. So I need Elsa and Anna. Then Play-Doh. Yeah, I, I, I know. I, I hear your sound problem. But I, you know, I'll make a table. <laughs> so practical. Because um, I'll need something to do. Yeah. Uh, and then what else? Maybe like her rabbit comforter. Yeah. Oh. Like her rabbit toy. Yes. Because yeah. she'd probably be quite stressed and so would yeah. I. You'd both be snuggling it. So we could oh. both rub its arm. Can I just applaud you, Susie? Because they were all very selfless choices. Oh, yeah, you weren't like gin. They were all focused yeah. on your daughter. Mine, yeah, mine. I think would be like gin, um, bottle of champagne, uh, definitely. Don't you think that your life would be so much easier if they were happy? 
Maybe, yes. You've got, maybe you've just hit this parenting thing on the head. That's where we've been going. <laughs> maybe that's where we've been going wrong. Yeah, but you've got four. <laughs> have you got four or three? Three. Three. Because they have each other to play with, so I'd have to, to entertain her. Oh, that's true. Yes. Well, that is your job as well. True. You should be quite oh, good at it. But she doesn't get wordplay yet. <laughs> no. Um, okay, Susie, next question. What is the most fabulously queer thing you've ever done with your daughter? Sure, I don't know that we've done, I mean, move to Brighton. That's a good one. I think that's a really good one. Yeah, we've not really done that much that's other than we've got like loads of gay families in our friendship group. Mm. So it's pretty gay all the time. It's more unusual for her to be with someone with a mum and dad. Yeah. Than with two mums or two dads. But Brighton, isn't it? Brighton. Got it. Brighton, isn't it? Gotta love a bit of Brighton. 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 We always drop our teas in Brighton. Brighton. Time for one more question. Which one should we do? What kind of parent to a teenager? do you think you'll be? Have you thought about that? Well, I'll be desperate for her to like me. Same. Mm. So I imagine quite needy. Playing Alanis Morissette all the time. You know, just trying to be a cool cat, just like leaning on her door. Hey, babe, how's you? (laughs) Oh, you're so embarrassing. (laughs) Trying to chat to her friends and be like, hey, I was cool once. Mm. But I imagine she'll think that Alice, my wife, is very cool because Alice doesn't really, she's very um, together. Just knows exactly who she is and she doesn't try to impress anyone. Okay. Mm. Which I find sort of very attractive and impressive because I'm constantly trying to impress someone. It's a great quality. You know, this pathetic woman desperate to be liked. (laughs) Um, We're with you on that. (laughs) Uh, So Susie, um, we're conscious that your daughter's sleeping in the other room and you probably need to go and... um... tend to her at yes, some point yeah, she's having a um, nap we're, doing, we're squeezing this in over a nap okay if you've got time we'd love you to stick around for something that we're launching this episode which is our problem page i'm such a magazine journalist i like don't know how to call things when they're not in magazines like an agony aunt yes like dear deirdre exactly so i saw on instagram that you're doing a tv show which is kind of solving audience members problems in some respect uh, I'm doing I'm doing like a run through of an idea that I've had for a TV show that a production company have got behind so we'll see yeah well let's see if it works here because we've actually had um, we asked some listeners to write in with their problems uh-huh. and uh, we've got a problem here that we would love to share with you and see if you can offer any kind of better advice than we might be able to. Oh, well, I don't know about that, but I'll try. So she doesn't want us to read out her name. (gasps) She's anon, and maybe you'll understand when you hear this. So, right, here we go. Here's the problem. So there's another lesbian couple in my NCT, but we really haven't hit it off. They don't respond to my WhatsApp messages in the group chats, and it's pretty clear that they don't want to hang out beyond NCT class either. What should I do? What have I done wrong? I feel like we're obliged to be friends for our future kids' sake. Do you have any advice? <gasps> First off, I think that's on them. I think that's on them. The other couple that are not joining in. But you think they should? Do you think they should be friends because they're lesbians? Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't think they should be friends. But I think if you're in an area that isn't very queer and you're both gay, mm. it's really important for your kid to grow up knowing that there are other people like them. I think that it's on the adults to make the effort. Mm. Even if you really don't get on, like even if, I mean, it sounds to me like they haven't hit it off. I don't know. I I think that, you know, these people don't need to become your best friends. Mm. But I think that, you know, what what, you can't put yourself through a park date. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, it's not hard. Like if you can't do that for the sake of your child, like maybe don't have kids. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have a lot of lesbian friends, Susie? Uh, Yeah. And there's a reason I ask. Uh, Yeah, I do have a lot of lesbian friends. I have a lot of gay male friends. And I'm fine with straight people too. Oh, that's good to know. (laughs) Great. (laughs) No, because I I mean, I because when I read this, the one thing I was thinking is that I've always, I've always, I've never had a lot of gay male friends in my life. Mm -hmm. And I always find that when I'm in a situation with other gay males, I get very like in myself and I, and I, I question how I'm acting and I always feel like in, inferior to them or I always feel like they're a better gay than me or, you know, all these things. And I get very, and I, I think I probably project like I, mm. I'm quite defensive maybe or right. I'm trying to put on a, a front or I'm, so I wonder if something like that's going on. Maybe the other couple, they don't. It feels like there's more to it. Yeah. It, than a, just a simple. Yeah. Maybe it's not that they feel that it's, you know, that they just don't want to be friends. Maybe it's just they just feel slightly awkward because they don't have many other lesbian friends in their life. Maybe they're intimidated or... Not all gay people have a a group of gays around them. Mm. Yeah, I think you might be right. And I think I I really wanted to have sort of quite a queer network and it didn't happen overnight. Mm. And it was, you know, putting sort of effort in with, you know, because friendships take effort and attention and, you know, otherwise they'll just die. And I, 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 I totally hear what you're saying, but I just, I, 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 the, the, the people that I think about are, are, are the children. So the way that I think about it with being a mum is I think about how alone I felt as a teenager. I was so alone in myself. I was so confused by my sexuality. I didn't know anyone that was gay. Like I didn't know anyone that was a gay woman. Like I, I, knew, I, I knew of a couple of gay men. Like I knew the man in, that worked in the pub down the road was gay just because he was really flamboyant. And I was like, oh, I guess he's gay. And I knew about a few gay people on TV. I knew about um, Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> like, I, like I, I, I'm, I, my world was so, and I was like, my hobbies as a teenager was like musical theatre, which is really gendered mm-hmm. and dancing, which is full of, which for me was full of lots of really girly girls, really at home in their sexuality, really at home in their own bodies. And I remember so much of my teen years, I felt, you know, not that anyone knew, but I felt so at sea. And so that's the thing for me, I think, that drives all of this when it comes to sort of reaching out to other gays that are parents, because I just never want her to feel like that. Mm. I just, I I don't want her to ever feel alone because of her mum's lifestyle. Yeah. Mm. Well, so maybe this couple just need to leave this other couple then and find a network of people that are actually more willing to be mm-hmm. friends and, yeah. you know, know the importance of... Don't let it put you off. Yeah, don't take it personally. Mm. Like, I think it's on the other couple. The thing is, as well, you never know what's going on in other people's lives. It's, totally. It's easy to think, oh, this is about me. Exactly, yeah. When actually, maybe they're going to get divorced. Maybe they hate each other. Maybe they're having, like, a really hard time. Yeah, maybe one of them's really ill with the pregnancy. Or, yeah. Exactly. Totally. So I think, don't don't worry about it. And I also think, like, I've definitely met some gay people who are like, yeah, we don't really know any other gay parents mm. and maybe live in like a very sort of an area where there's not loads and loads of gay families. And obviously not everyone can live in sort of London and Manchester and, mm. you know, Brighton and, and those sorts of places where there is this hub. But I think even if you don't have that, maybe like, you know, finding, connecting with people online, mm-hmm. you know, going to London for 
pride and meeting up with a family group. Like there's ways of doing it, I think, if you are searching for it. And I think that quite often, if obviously it's not happened in this scenario, but I think, you know, nine times out of 10, if you, if you reach out to someone and say, oh, I'm in the same boat as you, certainly in our community, mm. not everyone, but a lot of the time, I think people sort of reach back and say, oh yeah, don't worry, I've, I've been through that. Totally. And Susie, actually, before you got here, I was regaling um, listeners with uh, the story of what has gone down in my personal history as the worst play date of all time <laughs> when your daughter came over and my who and your daughter was so sweet and so lovely and was just like interested in some of my daughter's toys and was like picking them up and I don't know what was wrong with my kid that day but she was just like no everything she picked up no and I'd be like that you don't like you don't even like that darling you've never ever played with that and she's like no it's my favorite thing she can't touch it or like a bit of chalk she was like that's my bit of chalk and I was just dying because you know we'd made a real effort to like get together and in that same spirit of like let's have you know friends with kids and whatever yeah 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 yeah, totally I think that having a bad play date is fine because you're like well I guess next time it'll be my kid yeah I hope so (laughs) (laughs) but they you know they're they're always they always surprise you don't they and they'll always you can't control it trying to get kids to get on is just impossible sometimes I know maybe that was the thing maybe there was too much pressure maybe I was like darling TV Susie Ruffle is coming over any second. Oh, God, don't say that. She's like, who? <laughs> and they're trying to work things out. My son got, like, he, there's, there's like kids at school where one day he, like, hates them and he's like, oh, they're making my life hell and I don't like them and I don't want them coming to my party and I do this. The next day, they're his best friend and then one, he's wanting them to come around on a play date. It, like, it changes so much. It's so hard. Yeah. There's so much, there's so much to deal with, isn't there? Mm. When they're little, these emotions are so big oh yeah and I get it like sometimes I don't want people to touch my things yeah I want people to come and like it's the equivalent of someone coming to my house and going through my wardrobe yeah totally I'd be like I'll try this on but no no you can't get your own fucking shirt it's so funny when you look at it back that way it's so funny oh Susie thank you so much for coming on the show my absolute pleasure it's been lovely to have you and um, my pleasure can you come? You need to come up round ours for a play day. I will oh, give I'd you a much better so much. experience. Much. We won't invite Lottie. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thank you. Bye. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Bye. Oh, love Susie. Love her. Love, love, love. And if you want to catch Susie, her tour snappy is going nationwide from march so go and get tickets now we should go Stu. let's have a yes a parents night out on the raz and let's go somewhere let's go to like newcastle or something and like escape for two nights and we can join you susan oh my god we go on the tour we could bus sleep in her room oh my god on Susie. The floor. yes um, <laughs> sorry I, I just like went Susie's like <laughs> we went into a, like a reverie of imagining <laughs> what it would be like to sleep on Susie Ruffles hotel go on floor. tour <laughs> you could be her warm-up act as well I could if you be well, my bluey stand-up there idea we go just genius might go down like a lead balloon but still <laughs> But thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. This has been From Gay to Z with Stu and Lottie. Ooh, that rhymes. 
If you like this episode, please do share it with all of your friends. All of them. Yeah, even the people you don't like. Anybody. We're not fussy. No, we're not. Except if they don't like you, then they might not listen. I don't know. Anyway, whoever you recommend us to, a personal recommendation from you is so valuable and it helps us reach new listeners. And if you can give us a little rate and review in your podcast player, that would also be brilliant and would go a very long way. Thank you very much. And don't forget, if you'd like to get in touch with a problem for us to probably, let's face it, make worse for you, then <laughs> um, you can email us at lottieandstew at gmail.com. So that's Lottie spelled L-O-T-T-E, the word and, and then stew, S-T-U, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.